identity. For some, it's something that is clung onto and held tightly through the midst of this constantly changing world. For others, it fluctuates with something like a new hair color or outfit. For most, it falls somewhere in the middle. We are who we think we are. Or are we? If you perceive yourself in one way, but yet the whole world treated you in opposition to that perception, after a while, would you give in? One doctor in Michigan is about to find out where that line is. My name is Andrea, and you're listening to White Noise. Hello, welcome to another edition of White Noise. And today, we're going to take your questions and your concerns with your relationships, your family. If you have anything to say to your family, friends, that you feel like you need assistance, you need that good friend to tell them we are here. The number to call is 719-313. Call now and you will be on the air. We're waiting. Speaking of confrontation, today's episode is talking about, we're going to be talking about the three Christs of Ypsilanti, uh, which is a really, really interesting psychological study that took place in, I believe, 52, 59, 59. 1959, a year when you could get away with anything in psychology. I don't even know if it was psychology at that point. It was psychology, but at that point it was more, I wonder what this button does. What happens if we shock people? And we make people think we're shocking them. What happens if we overload their minds with insulin and put them into a seizure and see what happens? What happens if we drill a hole into their skull to let the demons out? I wonder if that will work. I think it did, actually. I think that was a very positive (laughs) But today. (laughs) I wonder what the little bumps on their head mean. Interesting. I mean, I think that was a like leading edge of psychology. Being alive in the 50s and being a doctor in psychology, you could get away. Not saying it's right. They just did not have the board of ethics we have today. But no, you, you could get, get away, away with, with a lot. Literally anything. Way in the olden days, because you being a doctor, if you're the first of anything, like it doesn't require as much credentials. Well, yeah, if you're, yeah, because there's like not you much start, to study. if you're the person who, if you start a school. Like if I started a college, it would not be difficult for me to get a degree because that would be my school. If I created the concept of a degree. Oh, well then of course you have every degree in the world. Exactly. So in the 50s, late 50s, when you want to do psychology. Which was the beginning of the world. Was it? I believe it started in the 50s. The beginning of the world? I think I always heard it started in the 40s. With Hitler and... uh... Yeah, in World War II. So what's the World War I? Okay. Um... (laughs) Regardless, in the 50s... It's like Star Wars, where it starts with uh, 4, 5, and 6, and then we go back to... Oh, is that what they So do? I think World War One came after World War Two. Oh, okay, that makes sense. Yeah. That makes sense. Because there had to have been a 1 if there was a 2. Yeah, we're we about to get a 3. Backwards? No, we'd get a 0. Well, yeah. Well, we're going to start getting origin tales, so Hitler's going to come back just as himself, and we're going to get his solo story and figure out what's going on there. Oh, That would be a really good intro to next week's episode when we talk about the apocalypse. But for right now, we are definitely on this topic, the three Christs. And so, man, what do we have here? What is the three Christs of... Great intro, Andrea. Great intro. Where does it all start? Where does it all start? That's how I start off all my tough discussions with individuals is asking the leading question. Where does it all start? And then hope that they have the answer. Which is why we set up that confrontational dating service. Yes, so... Www. 
whitenoise.cafe slash love connection. And you can set up your own little profile and Asher will not stop messaging you. <laughs> I have all the advice in the world. It's not great advice. I assure you. 1940s. Good year. It was 10 years prior to the beginning of the world. As we previously discussed, there were two women who claimed that they were Mary, mother of God. We're not getting into a religious debate here. We are not saying we, Andrew and I have our own opinions on religion. They may or may not be connected. They may or may not be divided. We are just telling a story. It all begins here. The two women who claimed to be Mary, the mother of God. They ended up in this mental institution together in the same rooms even. And they came up to one another like, oh, hey, Andrea. Hey, Mary. Oh, that's funny. I didn't even introduce myself. Oh. <laughs> I'm Mary, the mother of God. Wait a second. What? That, that's not possible because I am also Mary, the mother of God. What? So you must be insane to think that you are. Well, I must be insane because I'm in an insane asylum. I don't think that's how the conversation went. Basically, from there, they decided, well, there can't be two Marys because that's not how the Bible was written. And when they're reading their own biography, which they consider the Bible to be, they're like, wait, that would be weird. I know. Like if your if your own biography was written down in the Bible and you knew. I was having this conversation with my mom about reincarnation the other day. And we were talking about like... As we always discuss with our mothers. Yes. And how we were talking about like... Almost everybody, their previous incarnations were probably very mundane, boring things. Like, they're probably just farmers. They're probably just chilling. If reincarnation was a thing? Yes. Or are you claiming that reincarnation is a thing? I'm, I was claiming it. And then so you've got, <laughs> for the sake of this story, you've got this claim. So you have these, and so sometimes you might go see someone, a psychic or something, to find out about your past life. And they tell you, Asher, you were Cleopatra. And so you're like, that makes so much sense. I love, I love beauty. I love, I love eyeshadow. <laughs> and so, and then you start connecting your life back. And then all of a sudden I was also told I was Cleopatra. So now we're together in a room, Asher and I talking about our old reincarnated lives of being Cleopatra. Surely we can't both be Cleopatra. So yeah, that's basically what happened in, with going slightly around the bushes. Ever so slightly. Ever so slightly. <laughs> And they look at each other and the older one, don't know her name, she's like, wait, hold the telegram. The older one was like, if you're Mary, because the Bible says there's only one Mary, then I must be Anne, Mary's mother, because that makes sense. And they went on to live happily ever after, not in the same home, because that would have been a different story, which would have been fun to follow, kind of like MTV's real world. But <laughs> I'm not going to lie. I actually heard... A different version of this story, even though I'm looking at the version you're looking at, I heard this all worked out because one thought, oh my gosh, if you're saying you're Mary, there's only one Mary, you sound freaking crazy. You are a crazy person. And then they realized through themselves that, oh my gosh, I'm saying the same exact thing. I must be crazy I too. I know the story you're thinking of. Is that not the same it's story? It's the same story. Well, the same uh, ending to the story, but... It's about Jesus's, which we will get into. Right now. It's not the same Jesus story that we're about to tell, because we tell a lot of Jesus stories on this channel. There have been many cases of people saying that they were Jesus. Oh, yeah. One of them, prior to the three Christ story, there were two Jesuses met up. 
Like, yo, Jesus, what's going on? And he's like, wait. I'm Jesus, too. Yeah. And then they're like, oh, that's weird. And then they went on their life as normal because they're like, there can't be two Jesuses. That's insane. We're in an insane asylum. Boom. So we must be crazy and we must both not be Jesus. Exactly. Hence, their identity of being Jesus was ultimately, it shows the limits of their identity and it showed that they both thought they weren't Jesus by the end of that. Exactly. So where are we getting with this? So anyway, the Mary story ended up in Harper's Magazine, which is a magazine that we don't read often anymore. But you know who did read it? A one Dr. Milton Rokesh. 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 Let's look that up. Uh, We'll go with it, I think. Rocky? Rokesh? Dr. Rokey? Rokish. Rokish? Yes, Dr. Rokish. Milton. Let's just call him Milton. Milton. <laughs> Dr. Milton. He was popular with the ladies. I think so. How can you not be when you're a doctor in the 50s named Milton? Exactly. So he thought, this is awesome. This is fascinating. So he wanted to take multiple people, bring them together, and see what happens when everyone has the same identity where the tables will turn. Is that what you got? So, yeah, that is exactly what I got. Um, Roki got this idea from the Bible, um, and this is kind of a quote. There is only one son of God, so anyone who believes himself to be will suffer a psychological upfront by the existence of another like him. In the past, when confronted with another claiming to be Jesus, most see the light through realizing how crazy the other one is, which is kind of what I want to talk about, um, the medical definition of a delusion. So if you don't mind pulling that up. Absolutely. I already have it pulled up because that's usually what I have pulled up. Um, In DSM-5, which is really the Bible of psychiatric disorders or illnesses or diseases or however you want to put it. Mm -hmm. Mental health. Delusion is delusion. A false belief based on incorrect inference about external reality that is firmly sustained despite what almost everyone else believes and despite what constitutes incontrovertible and obvious proof or evidence to the contrary. The belief is not... One ordinarily accepted by other members of the person's culture or subculture. Ego! It is not an article of religious faith. When a false belief involves a value judgment, it is regarded as a delusion. Only when the judgment is so extreme as to defy credibility. Okay, so basically a delusion is a false belief based in... An incorrect inference about external reality, if you guys didn't pick up that entire definition, as long as you pick up a little part of that, um, we're going to be good there. So let's talk a little bit about what Milton did, Dr. Milton did. He got together three men, one named Clyde, who was in his 70s, had a history of alcoholism and a little bit of dementia, uh, Joseph, who was 58, he was a writer, and he also believed that he was British. Leon, who was in his 30s. Why is that, that funny? Was favorite part. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he didn't speak with a British accent, but Joseph Castle, Castle, Castle. Yeah, something. Joseph Castle, he, I believe he said it that he, well, he's never been to England, but he always hoped to return to England, which I feel like is going to be my future conversations when I'm 80 years old. <laughs> oh, I cannot wait to get back to China. <laughs> They're like, okay. But I've never been to China. 
but yet you are from China. Essentially, that's what we're working with. And then we have Leon, who is in his 30s. And he was raised by a schizophrenic woman who was very, very, I believe, Catholic, Christian. She was very religious. And then also it was noted that he looked most like the paintings of Jesus. Leon was one of my favorite. He he definitely came around, and we'll talk about this as it goes on, but he kind of seems like he's the one who's most aware of what's going on throughout the entire time. But let's get into the study. So we have Dr. Milton wrote. I think that's how you say it, Dr. Milton, who essentially put these three men together in the same mental hospital, had them work hand in hand in the mornings, had them do talks with each other, had them just experience life together as three individuals claiming to be Jesus. And throughout the course of five years, he studied them, did some unethical things. I got this. (laughs) He studied them, did some unethical things just to see if he could shake them from their delusion of being Jesus. So let's get started. Let's get into this. Yeah, so really what happened is... Where'd Asher go? <laughs> I'll take over from here. Really what happened is Rokish got together with his good friend, Mr. Yoder, Dr. Yoder. He's like, hey, man, I need a couple Jesus. <laughs> is that how the conversation went? I would actually... If you don't mind doing both voices of Dr. Rokish and Dr. Did you say... I'm sorry. Did you say Dr. Yoda? If you don't mind. Dr. Yoda. All right. So let's see how this conversation went in real time. Asher's interpretation of this conversation between the two doctors. I'm sure you'll be able to tell who's who when he does his impression. All right. Um, Andrea, could you do me a favor and be the phone? As in like ring? the Okay. Ring, ring. Hello. Hello. May I speak to Dr. Yoda? Yes. How might I help you? This is he, Dr. Yoda. Yes, yes, absolutely. Um, so I had this idea, this um, this 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 fascinating idea, and I would like to get together and meet a couple Jesuses. Well, that's a very fascinating idea. Um, have you considered going to church? Um, I don't know what you mean, going to ch- church. Well, that's where Jesus lives. <laughs> if you guys listen to this and actually listen all the way through, let us know and we will pay you. <laughs> Don't listen to our show. Okay, so this is going to be a reenactment, Asher's version of what happened between Dr. Roki and Dr. Yoder. Um, the phone call that well, we don't know if it was actually a phone call, but basically this is our interpretation of what the conversation looked like between the two of them. Thank you, Asher. Do you want me to play the phone? Yes, hold on. Let me get a drink of water. Okay. So we're going to take this as though he's talking to Dr. Yoda. From the top? From the top. Ring, ring. Hello? Uh, yes. May I speak to Dr. Yoda? Hey, this is... He, yes. Um, I would like to... I would like to uh, get together a couple Jesuses. Purpose for what? Uh, yes, for the purpose of understanding how identities merge. Strong is the force? I don't think you understand. I really don't think you understand. I need to get these Jesuses together because if they understand that there can only be one Jesus... The chosen one? Is Dr. Yoder there? Oh, please, one moment. So, that said, he basically called up his doctor friend, Dr. Yoder, and... Not to be confused with <laughs> Dr. Yoda, which 
as you can tell at the beginning, ha- there's a little bit of a miscommunication between who we were trying to portray. <laughs> they work in the same office. Um, so he got together with his friend, Dr. Yoder, and Dr. Yoder arranged transfers for the three Jesuses because there's a lot of delusional people out there not saying that these people are... D- yeah, I am. And he got them together and he sent them to Ypsilanti, which is in Michigan. And they all got together in Ward D23, in case you want to go visit. Guys, they're not still there in Ward D23. <laughs> I would not be surprised, based on how this experiment goes. That they're all still there and chilling all these years later. Yeah, so he put them together in this room. It was a bare room, not very stimulating. The chairs were hard and wooden. And then they all meet up in the room for their first meeting. Here we go. So the first couple times they meet up, we're working with these people and... They don't like each other. So we have three men in the room who are all claiming to be the Messiah who are at odds with each other because, of course, there can only be one Messiah. But they don't know that right away because they have to introduce themselves first. And the first guy goes, as quoted in the book, my name is Joseph Cassell, the 58 year old that you described earlier. The writer, he's writer. He's well known for carrying a lot of stuff in his pockets, books, pens tobacco and then Rokish because he is like the 10 year old doctor he's probably he's dead now but the way he sounds throughout this entire experiment is like a 10 year old he's always trying to poke at the snake in the hole so he's like so uh mm, is there anything else you want to tell us as though they're missing something very important and then joseph's like oh yeah i'm kind of god and then the next goes and he's like i'm clyde benson nice to meet you all that's my name straight. I don't even know what that means. I don't know either. If anyone knows what that means, will you let us know? Now, usually when I think of that, and I thought about this when I read it and when I heard it in various other forms, when he said, that's my name straight, like usually when I hear that's my name straight, that's my name. However, he goes further and he's like, but I'm also God five and Jesus six, whatever that means, which sounds sort of like a robot name. It, it does. Like God five, Jesus six. So that's a little odd, um, just a little. Um, Then the next guy, Leon. He is the one that Andrea described very articulately about his mother, probably overbearingly religious, I would assume, because that's how a lot of psychiatric disorders begin. Not with your mother, because we're not getting Freud involved here, but I'm saying like it all tends to begin in your early life. Why he was living at home this long is another question. Yeah, and so what we know about him is that he just did come from a very overbearing religious mother who was also, I believe she did have schizophrenia as well. And so all three of these men had claimed to be Jesus. And that's kind of where we get into a little bit of a dispute between the three of them is when they realize they're all trying to be the same person. Their identity is the same guy. Or the same God. Or the same God. And I will say what I love about this study is the fact that it is all about identity and how deep rooted they are. And as we go along, you'll realize that these men all thought they were God and it was unshakable. Like I I, I was thinking about this, Asher, if someone came up to you and (laughs) if the entire world comes up to you and claims that you are, I don't know, that you're a woman and every single person treats you. I get that often. (laughs) (laughs) But see, and see, over time, if you get that enough and everybody treats you as a woman in your entire life, everyone tells you you're a woman, tells you, just walks up to you and tells you you're a woman. (laughs) But maybe over time, you might start believing you are a woman because our identities aren't as deeply rooted. To think that he was God. 
all three of them, I'm sure, had different reasons. A lot of it is delusional. But like I said, their identities are so deeply rooted. Whereas the average person, I don't think their identity is that intense to the point where if a, if enough people came up and convinced them otherwise of being or being even in a different profession than they are, how after how long and how many mind tricks would they start believing that maybe they were wrong this entire time? I mean, it's very interesting how this study goes into their identities. No, absolutely. Absolutely. No, uh, that whole saying where, you know, you are who you hang around and the same thing goes along with who you're told you are, etc. So I'd be curious where Joseph and Clyde, where that their background was and where they grew up. Leon lived in a very religious home, which who knows, maybe he was, maybe he felt like he was in competition with God to get attention of his mother. And so who knows what happened to the others. But so if he was in competition, he, he probably obviously had some mental issues along the way. And then he's like, hey, this quote unquote, God is getting more attention than, than I am because my mom's always at church. Nothing wrong with you being at church, but his mom had some issues grown up, documented. So, And I think that's interesting because more or less you're going along the lines of, okay, my mom loves God a lot. And I want her to, I want her, yes, which is a good thing, which is, and he's maybe thinking as a very young child, I want my mom to love me that much too. So the only way I can do that is being God. And that's just my perspective on it. And I am nowhere near a doctor or anyone who can, oh, that degree up there that you're looking at that actually, that's just a bachelor's, Uh, believe it or not, next to the, yeah. So why do you have 12 of them? Well, the other ones I printed out, you know, <laughs> I got them online from little websites that little give websites, you. It only costs $50 to get, but that's cheap yeah. in perspective. Uh, but Leon, because I feel like we're going to miss this part at, during the introductions. He introduced himself as Dr. Domino Dominorum et Rex Rexorum Simplis Christianus Parus Mentalis Doctor. That's a name. He introduced himself like that? Yes. Which, yes, that was his moniker. Um, it is Latin for Lord of Lords and King of Kings. Simple Christian boy psychiatrist, which the last part never made sense to me. The simple boy psychiatrist. Simple boy psychiatrist. At first glance, because we don't know what that means. What What do you think that means? Those were probably simple Christian boy psychiatrist. Those are probably the last few words that were just like thrown about his, like he's a simple Christian boy because his mom. I have no clue. That's not, I can't even pretend to come up with a... <laughs> I mean, it's tough. A lot of the problem with psychology, and I'm in love with it, but the problem is with cases that are this far gone, far gone as I mean like there's a separation in time between now and then, like we can't make as accurate of assumptions as we could being closer to the case. Yeah, it's kind of like viewing things with the lens of today in respect to back then. We have no idea what that could have meant. No, exactly. And I can't, maybe simple Christian boy could be dug up. But I can't do that now because they're gone and I can't approach that. It's probably not even that important, but we don't have enough evidence on this little part of the story, which is not even really a huge part. It's just a little interesting How they all meet. detail. Yeah. <laughs> oh, and then he also says, it's on my birth certificate as well that I am the reincarnation of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. This is where things get a little feisty. So Joseph was the first one to introduce himself, was also the first to kind of protest Leon saying, hey, no, you can't do that. I am the reincarnation of Jesus. I know who I am. I'm God. I'm Christ, the Holy Ghost. Okay, and this is a quote. And if I wasn't, by gosh, I wouldn't lay down to claim anything of the sort in Christ. I'm Christ. I don't want to say I'm Christ, God, the Holy Spirit. 
go spirit. I know this is an insane house and you have to be careful. That's how I go about every day is I say, I don't want to say that I'm perfect. I don't want to say that I am the greatest being to ever exist, but I am. That is kind of what he said. (laughs) I mean, in in retrospect, because I mean, God would be the perfect being, you know, and he is kind of saying that he's like, I have to be very careful with how I phrase this and with what I'm saying. I have to be very careful with you mere mortals. I would just love to see the staff, like staff that doesn't even, is just like, what is going on in that room? And then it starts getting a bit weird. So then after allowing Joseph to rant for a bit longer, Leon interjected and he said, Mr. Castle, please, I didn't agree with the fact that you were generalizing and calling all people insane in this place. There are people here who are not insane. Each person is a house. Please remember that. What does he mean by that? Now he... He was sounding really profound for a second. And then there's probably people listening to this from the mindset of we're in an asylum and he just called people houses. They probably didn't look at that the philosophical side of that. Like, oh, we are all a temple. Yeah, the setting plays a big role in how people interpret what you're saying. But I mean Each person is a cat. What? You know, each person is independent and kind of doing their own thing like cats do. I, I mean, your 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 environment, your present environment does play a big role in how you're perceived. So if you're saying if he was saying that at a philosophical meeting, that would have been very well construed versus saying it in a mental hospital walking by. You might be like, oh, my gosh, this guy literally thinks we're all houses like we're all <laughs> we're all houses right now. But Leon, of all the men, I would say was most philosophical. He was most present with what was going on in the moment versus the other two men who were kind of more or less wrapped up in their own delusions and realities, which we will get into. So this is the first time they all meet. And within that, they kind of had their first little argument. So eventually, because all these men have to live together and have to work together and be in the same ward together and go to meetings together, that familiarity of them, they all eventually kind of became friends just by the familiarity. So then when other people and no one told me life was going, you don't have to bend the mic to me. Oh, you, you didn't want to have that moment? <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, I think this is the first moment that Milton Rokish realized that this was not going to be as easy as he thought. Because this, this is really just an experiment where he saw a cool idea in Harper Magazine and he's like, wait. I can do that, but let me do it on a bigger scale. Then he's like, wait, it's not as easy as them all realizing that they're God. I don't know if he went in thinking the very first session they were all going to realize, oh my gosh, we're all so crazy. Well, that's what happened in Harper's Magazine with the Marys is where they're like, wait, hold on. That can't be. He very well might have thought like after a couple sessions, these men will come to terms and and realize the truth that they're not God. But he was very wrong. In 84, he'll come around and tell you that he was wrong. Moving along, the men eventually, because of all their familiarity, became friends. Um, More or less, they had each other's back when other patients would make fun of them. They would stand up for each other. So they did suddenly kind of turn and have more of this camaraderie between the three of them. That got weird. Rokish had no plan. He probably had a plan starting out, but then realized it wasn't going well. And so he started coming up with all sorts of weird things to do. Okay, so some of the things that Roki did, to Leon particularly, thinking, I will snap him out of his delusions if I can get him to fall in love with someone and get him to place his emotions elsewhere. So he hires this very attractive research assistant who 
essentially started flattering him, flattering Leon, and they started talking. And this was all being set up by Dr. Milton the entire time. And eventually Leon did fall head over heels for this research assistant. He soon found out that this was all part of the big scheme. She didn't really love him. This was all a setup. And he became more depressed. And they act like that was a big shock. Like, oh, how he's more depressed now than he was before. But he literally just got set up to fall in love with. They would send the oldest one, Clyde, letters. I believe it was Clyde. They sent Clyde letters from the owner of the hospital or whatnot saying, giving him money. No, 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 okay. no, no, no. Erase that. No, this is one of my favorite ones. Um, Clyde. We all love Clyde. He has no teeth and he's an amazing man. So he had a wife. But she did not exist. Her name was Madame Yeti Woman. Sounds like a pretty realistic name to me. She was Madame Yeti Woman. So he had this wife that he spoke about. And eventually he started getting letters from her. Where are the letters coming from? So he started following his letters. They actually had dates set up to meet. And he constantly got set up because, you know, as I've learned in my past, imaginary dates don't always lead to an actual date. So no matter how many times you shower, how many times you pick out that perfect outfit, they never show up. Oh, so he was getting led on this entire... So someone else was writing him these letters because clearly his wife was imaginary, which is really, really interesting. I wonder who was doing that. Well, he he's actually one of the smarter ones in the group. He came up with a uh, solution. He decided that maybe it's not his wife writing him these letters. He thought that maybe another patient, because this is a crazy hospital, is writing him these Love notes. Okay, I got to hand it to him because that is very interesting. The fact that he did make up this wife in his own mind. And through that whole entire thing, he's getting letters from someone who essentially doesn't exist. But he doesn't even correlate those letters with her in the end. He thinks it's someone else. Like to me, that's that is fascinating. And every single attempt that Dr. Roki does to kind of shake these men out of their delusion doesn't work. This is what sort of annoys me. It seems like a great idea, the whole study, but it seems like after his plan goes haywire, Dr. Rokish, that he just starts throwing all these random ideas out there rather than just giving up on the experiment, letting them live a happy life. But this group, like you said before, ends up just enjoying one another's company. They back each other up. They find they stop talking about religion altogether, which is probably a good idea in this case. It's kind of like if you have a friend who has very strong political beliefs and you have strong political beliefs on the other side, and you want to have just a pleasant dinner. Sometimes you just don't bring that up. And I think that's kind of what these men thought. We're not going to poke the fire. We're just going to let it be. And something very interesting that Dr. Roki did note with this whole study, he realized that schizophrenic patients actually did feel empathy. Because back then, they weren't sure if they could feel empathy for one another. And they still all believed they were Jesus, but when it came to the other guy, they would turn the other cheek. Dr. Roki brought them each in a room separately and asked them, well, why are you turning the other cheek? Why aren't you telling them that they're not Jesus and that you are? And he realized that each of the men sympathized with one another and said, well, I kind of want them to have that experience of thinking so too. They know the other one's not, but they don't want to break them of that because they did actually care for one another, which I thought was very interesting. And that was the moment when Dr. Roki realized that, okay, yeah, schizophrenic patients did feel empathy, which was kind of a big step in psychology back then. Yeah. So because this guy was freelancing his entire project, I'm sure he's a smart individual because he is a doctor and we can't assume all doctors are perfect, but we can assume that they have some level of intelligence to have reached that point. I'm not saying it's great intelligence, but I'm saying like one plus one equals two. They know at least that much. 
is that all it takes to become a doctor? Because I think I made that happen in like pre-K. Yes, that is all it takes to become a doctor. Print out another degree for me right there. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um, no, but he was getting frustrated because things were going well. These guys started to live hospitably together. Even started to like each other. They were homies. They became the Holy Trinity. Maybe that was the problem. He should have gotten like four people. Because maybe that's the conclusion they came up with is that three is a very holy number. <laughs> you be the son, I be the father, you be the Holy Ghost. Just like the Mary and Anne thing. Andrea is mind blown. So anyway, so things were going well and Rokish decided this is not cool, yo. He brought in a paper one day to one of their meetings. And what did the paper have? It had an article that was posted about a current lecture that Rokish gave on this weird experiment that was going on. So what happened with that letter? Um, he read the letter to them, this newspaper newspaper article, and Clyde, Clyde didn't understand it. Joseph said that the men in this article were nuts and didn't know it was about him and his two friends. But Leon was the only one who understood it. And then he began to yell. He felt really betrayed and just got very mad because he was the only one who realized that this letter was written about all three of them. And so that's why I'm saying Leon was very much self-aware of what was going on with the whole experiment. And and you can kind of tell that when Roki asked why each one of the men were in that, saying, why why are you here? Why are you in the hospital? Joseph said he was an English stronghold and he was there to defend it. So this is Joseph who thinks he's from England. Clyde had answered the question. Madonna. He's the Madonna of the group. Uh, Clyde answered saying, he was there because he owned the buildings and stayed on the land to take care of it. And then Leon, again, being very self-aware of what's going on, acknowledged he was a patient, but stopped short after admitting to delusion. He blamed that he was unjustly prosecuted, was sent to a mental ward. So he was the only one who admitted he was a patient, but even at that, he didn't even say it was because of delusions. And he said he was unjustly sentenced, which I don't know. I've got to hand it to him. I mean, he, he really did know kind of what was going on. Leon? Leon, yeah. I mean, he's still a little cuckoo. Yeah, so come a couple years later, because this lasted more than the couple months that they expected. Come two years later. Several years after they expected the experiment to last, nothing really improved between Clyde, Joseph, and Leon. And I really think that while they still maintain these delusions of being the Christ, that they caught on to the experiment. So they just changed their strategies a little bit. Like, we need this to be over. Like, let's just agree with the guy and like let him go. So Leon changed his name to my 10-year-old side of me. Always laughs at this, but I'm going to try not to this time. He's now called Dr. Righteous Idealized Dung, which I have named a few things in my life. And, what a coincidence. <laughs> and he claims that he was one of the Yeti people. So really, we didn't get too far. Rokish decided, you know what? I still need to write a book. Wait, 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 back up. Who who are the Yeti people? Are we talking like Bigfoot? Like The guy from Monsters, Inc. Yes, is that what he thinks? I never think Yeti like Bigfoot. I always think Yeti like Monsters, Inc. I just now made that connection, <laughs> like just now. Wait, but for real, the Yeti people, am I missing something? Is that a... That's going to be in Rokish's next experiment is pulling up all people who think they're <laughs> Yeti people. And <laughs> so Rokish wrote a book called The Three Christ of Ypsilanti, which is really the case study from Rokish's point of view. And because he really didn't get any information, he decided, you know what, I'm going to make this all make sense. Because I'm a doctor. I'm Dr. Milton Rokish. 
he drew some Freudian conclusions regarding confusion about sexual identity as a basis for identity delusion. So, so Asher can't talk. So in the book, he drew some conclusions saying that the Freudian conclusions regarding confusion about sexual identity as a basis for identity delusions. Thank you. Okay. Basically, he was just trying to get some sort of conclusion to put in his paper for it to make some sort of sense. He did write an afterward about basically that there is a fourth God. We'll, we'll read that to you. We'll read we that. We have that? Well, we, yes, we have the afterward because in 1984, he came out, Dr. Roki came out with another book explaining this. And we're going to read the afterward to you. But before I want, before we do that, I kind of want to do some of my favorite quotes from the book. And I was telling Asher this before, and it was, in one group session, Leon claimed, I am the Messiah, the son of God, and I am on a mission. I was sent here to save the earth. Doctor asked, well, how do you know? And then in response, Leon claimed, God had told me. And then Clyde pipes in and says, I never told you that. I, <laughs> I love that. Okay, so another quote from the book was, As soon as they leave, Leon says to me, the doctor, I disagree, sir. There are people who aren't insane, in reference to the hospital, and I am one of them. People who generalize are mentally ill. Which, I mean, I think this guy is very philosophical and we're just not giving him credit. No, that's basically where Leon called out the doctor saying, You are not performing psychology on us. You are just playing mind games with us for your own entertainment. Psychology is about helping people out and you are just throwing coins in the blender. Seeing what's going to happen, just kind of throwing something, hoping it sticks, which ultimately he was right. I mean, I don't think the doctor understood how much was actually going into the study. So which which we we have to hand it to him because in 1984, he wrote his foreword and Asher, you should read it. Absolutely. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> I think first off, let me preface this by saying that this is a great way to end any of your papers for school. If you come up with absolutely nothing, not even school, this is a great way to end any argument. This is a great way to say you're in an, back to the beginning of this episode where we gave some relationship advice and say that, you know, your significant other or you, you are the cheater in the relationship, save this portion and respond to your significant other with this. So now when you hear what I'm about to say, you can put it in any context, such as the one I just mentioned. While I had failed to cure the three Christs of their delusions, they had succeeded in curing me of mine, of my godlike delusion that I could change them by omnipotently and omnisciently arranging and rearranging their daily lives within the framework of a total institution ellipses. I came to realize dimly at the time, but increasingly more clearly as the years passed that I really had no right, even in the name of science, to play God and interfere around the clock with their daily lives. So like Asher just read, that was in the foreword for his book that came out in 1984, commenting on this whole experiment. And with that being said, so Steve Baherman, I might be pronouncing that completely wrong, did end up saying the entire world and everyone's religion and everyone who thinks that there's only one true path, we all have to live together and we all have to accommodate one another. So he was just taking this small study and putting it on a really big scale, which I actually thought was kind of cool. 
No, it's nice that someone was able to make sense of this chaotic study. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Steve, for doing that. But anyways, guys, that was a little bit of what happened with the three Christs of Ypsilanti. And I thought I thought it was a really interesting study to read. I would definitely check out some more stuff on that. And thanks for listening to White Noise. My name's Andrea. And I'm sitting right next to Asher. Thank you guys so much. And we will see you guys in two weeks. I am a god. I do not need to fiddle around with introducing myself every single time. <laughs>